Praise God, we are here and we're live, and I hope that you're joining us somewhere as we get ready now to open up God's word to, his, to this message here today. Uh, we've been in this series that we've titled Spirit-Filled Family, and Spirit-Filled Family has been something that we've been walking through out of the book of Ephesians, specifically chapter 5. We've just made our way into chapter 6. Uh, but this morning, I didn't want us to deviate too far from that title, Spirit-Filled Family, but I wanted to ask this question today to the Bible, uh, to God, and to this series even. What would be the Spirit-Filled Family response to coronavirus? What would be the Spirit-Filled response to COVID-19 and to quarantine and to isolation and to all the different factors that we've been walking through and experiencing. What's the spirit-filled response? That would be the title of this message, spirit-filled response to crisis in such a time as this. I recently read this quote. I thought it would be helpful before we jump right into the text. It comes from Martin Luther, the great reformer. And here's how Luther said it. He said, pray and let God worry. Pray and let God worry. And I want to do that right now. I want us to pray. I want let, to let God do the worrying. And I, I really believe that he's not worried. Um, but I, I sense that when we pray, it's a time for us to really get our heart right with him. So let's pray right now. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that right now you would speak to us through your word. Teach us your word. Fill us with your word, and God, I pray you would give all of us logging on and watching right now and leaning in right now via live stream. God, give us great Wi-Fi connection. Give us great times right now in your word through the screen even. Thank you, Lord. Just as we sang, it's your breath in our lungs. So speak to us now through this word. Give us the right spirit-filled response. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, if you're joining us online, and I hope you are, if you're ready, say ready. ready. And if you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's eat from this word this morning. When I thought about what would be the right spirit-filled response, I was leaning into that word response, and I felt like God gave me three R words that would be the right spirit-filled response. The first R word that came to my heart as I was praying, what's the right response, Lord? What should we do? I felt like God just spoke directly to my heart and he said, remember, remember, this word remember. I love this phrase remember and specifically in this time to remember God's pattern, to remember God's pattern. As I think about this word remember, I'm reminded of God's pattern throughout all of history, that God has never lost a battle, that God has never failed. That God has never taken an L, if we would use that language. That God actually tells us all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament to remember these things. That it will be leaning upon our memory of God's perfect track record that would relieve us of any stress, fear, or anxiety. Let me just give you a couple examples. The first time we see this on display is in, Act, in, in Exodus chapter 13, specifically verse 3. The scripture says that then Moses said to the people... Remember, come on, just say it with me right now, wherever you're at, just say, remember. Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. I like how David Horner in his commentary says it on this topic. He says, remembering is such a central theme in Scripture. 
God knows the gravitational pull of human awareness, which draws us inexplicably toward forgetting. God's people are always in danger of losing their memory, forgetting who they are and whose they are. That this is a time not to freak out and go try to find solutions in the world. This is a time to remember that God has always been there, that God is right here close, and he's saying, I might just be doing something right now. Remember my pattern. We see this further in Scripture. Exodus leads into Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, God says, remember the Lord your God. He says, he is the one who gives you power to be successful. I don't know about you right now, but I, I want that power. I want the power to be successful in whatever I do. I want the power of God to be on your life for you to be successful in whatever it is that you do, whether that's working or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're an educator, maybe you work in a business, maybe you're a professional athlete, maybe you're in sixth grade. I want you to be successful. And here's what he says in Deuteronomy. Remember that it's the Lord your God. He has the power for you to be successful in your domain in order for you to fulfill the covenant. He confirmed your ancestors with an oath. Moving on to David in the book of Psalms, chapter 100. He says, both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. Maybe you'd ask, what's the sin? What's the iniquity? We've done wickedness, the same wickedness of our fathers when they were in Egypt. They did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but we rebelled by the sea. I believe a lack of remembering could lead to a position of rebelling. If we're not careful, we could begin to forget about the God who made a way all this time, that there's something powerful about choosing to remember. The spirit-filled response to corona and to crisis is to remember Christ and to remember God's pattern that even as Jesus was marching up to Golgotha with the cross on his back, he knew what he was doing. Even in Exodus, as the people of Israel were enslaved to Pharaoh, God knew what he was doing. He has set up monuments. He has set up memorials. He has set up different traditions like Passover. What's the main purpose of Passover? To remember what God did. Maybe you lean into the New Testament church. Communion, the Lord's Supper. Jesus says, I'm giving you this bread. I'm giving you this cup. You know why? Because I want you to remember what I did. That these elements lead us to remember. I would even go as far as this moment. When we go to church and we open up the words of God, these are words from be before that they're leading us to remember who he is and what he has done. We look at the book of Joshua as Joshua gets the baton from Moses and begins leading his people. He says, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. I love that right there, that, that, that Joshua says, hey, just remember, the Lord's going to provide. I want to encourage you, wherever you're at watching this, that God is going to provide everything we need during this time. That God is, has not lost any sleep. We may have, but God hasn't. In fact, he is in complete control. He knows what he's doing. In the book of Judges, chapter 8, verse 34, it says, the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hand of all the enemies on every side. I just know that God's delivered me from stuff. 
whether it's minute or major, that God has been in the business of delivering all of our lives and before we were even born in your parents' lives, in your grandparents' lives, in your great, great, great grandparents' lives, God has been delivering. Let's remember that. Remember God's pattern. I was thinking about this verse recently. Psalm 63, verse 56. It says it like this. My soul will be satisfied. That's a good word right there. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed. God says that when we go to sleep, maybe we shouldn't go to sleep watching CNN, that we shouldn't go to sleep watching MSNBC, that we shouldn't go to sleep watching FOX. We should go to sleep thinking about the B-I-B-L-E and God's provision God's pattern that God has, he said, you'll go to sleep satisfied if you remember all the things I did in the past. Go to sleep thinking about those things. And don't just go to sleep thinking about it. Go teach your kids those things. Teach your friends those things. Hey, you don't have to fear because just remember God's pattern. He knows what he's doing. In fact, you can go ahead and read the end of the book and you can see God's pattern in the future. He's still good. It may get crazy. In fact, it will. But if you're on the winning team, which is Jesus' team, you're going to be okay. Remember God's pattern. Let me give you the second R word that came to my heart. Not only to remember God's pattern, but to release control. To release control. I don't know of a single time in my life, and I'm not that old, but in my years of living where I've felt so out of control. I don't know about you, but I feel like our nation, our entire world, has this overall sense that we've lost control. And I feel like when we lose control, that's when panic starts to happen. That's when fear starts to set in. And I want to go ahead and just encourage you. I want you to lean into that tension. You may feel like you have to release control right now. And I just want to go ahead and say, good. That's a good thing right there. I've found that when I've lost control, God's in control. That when I've let go of the control, that means that God has placed in my hands everything I need, which is dependence upon him to release control. Let me give you a couple of definitions for the word release. The word release, according to Webster's, is to set free from restraint, confinement, or servitude. I find it so interesting that the word release means to set free from restraint because the word control means to give restraint. So I think God's positioning us in a place right now to release control to him so he can be God. I'm not God. You're not God. The people you're sitting with is not God. God's made it clear that sports isn't God. Entertainment is not God restaurants and tourism sites aren't God. And so God is saying all the things that we lean into to try to find control, to try to find comfort, God is stripping the power of those things to create control so that we can look up again and release control, set free that control. It will ultimately help you. Another definition from dictionary.com. To free from confinement, bondage, obligation, pain, etc., to let go. Right? Maybe you've heard this phrase before, let go and let God. 
I would even say this. I would say let go and trust God, right? Let God, trust him. Let God do what he does, which is be God. I found that people have a little bit more time on their hands right now. People are a little bit more open to maybe a faith conversation right now. We got to release control to let God be God. I read this quote from A.W. Tozer. In fact, my wife Nina sent it to me this week. In a time where I was trying to grab control, when we heard that we couldn't meet in the school, I was like, we're losing control. Then God said, I got a word for you. Spoken from A.W. Tozer, the great revivalist, he says, while it looks like things are out of control, behind the, the scenes, there's a God who hasn't surrendered his authority. Right Behind the scenes of the chaos, God's like, no, I'm actually orchestrating some stuff perfectly for his glory and our good. Lisa Turkhurst says it like this. She says, I can rest in the fact that God is in control which means I can face things that are out of my control and not act out of control. I love that thought right there, right? I I can rest in the fact that God's in control. Hear me, you can rest in the fact, there's another R word, rest, in the fact that God's in control. So the things that are out of your control, you can now give to him. You don't need to be in control. I'm reminded of the great words from Jesus that has been helpful for me this week. If you're not familiar with them, I would want to give them to you now. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, he says, so do not worry about tomorrow. Oh, if we can memorize this verse. I would encourage you to memorize this verse. If you're with some people right now, look at them and say, hey, friend, would you memorize this verse with me? Would you hold me accountable to memorize Matthew 6, verse 34? Here's what it says. It says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I get an amen? Amen. Each day has enough trouble of its own. God has given us enough grace and mercy for today. There's a psalm that says God's mercies are new every morning. And I once heard it put, there's a reason for that, because we go through all of them each day. He gives us a new batch because we run through every drop of his grace and mercy each and every day. There's enough trouble today, but God says if you just release control, you don't have to worry. In fact, you could turn your worry into worship, that you can replace worry with worship by giving him the control. There's another place in 1 Peter chapter 5. See, Jesus discipled Peter, and Peter is discipling us, and he says, cast all your anxiety. Maybe you are feeling some angst, some anxiety. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I want to encourage you to do that. I don't know what anxieties you're feeling right now, and it may not even be directly related to corona. There's enough trouble outside of this in our lives. But whatever's creating anxiety in you, I just want to encourage you to cast it. Cast it on to the Lord. Because he cares for you. That we do not have a God who's uncaring in this time. In fact, God's care level is very heightened right now. He tells us in Psalm 34 that he's near to the brokenhearted. He's close to the crushed in spirit. That God does care about our pain, our wounds and our suffering. One more final quote in this area of release control. 
love how Corey Tenboom says it. She says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. That, that we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. Trust me, we don't. If there's ever been a day in history where the, 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 the things of this world are evolving and fluid and unsure what, what's going to happen next, what type of news report's going to come in, what type of notification you're going to get on your phone, we're not sure. Will there be school next week? Will there not be school? Will we be meeting at church next week? Will we not? We'll be doing a live stream. We'll be meeting somewhere else. I'm not sure what the future will hold, but I do know who holds the future. And God says, if you would just release control and remember my pattern, you're going to be all right. I want to give you that word right now. Let me go ahead and give you the final R word before we close this sermon out. And this is the word repent. It's not a popular word, but I really believe it's a word for this time in this season. Repent from sin. That God would give us three right responses to this crisis. Number one, remember his pattern. Number two, release control. And number three, repent from sin. That this is a moment for all of us to examine our lives and say, you know what? In this time right now, is there any sin in my life that I need to get out? Is there any sin in my life that I need to let go of? The word repent by definition means to turn from so you can turn to. Repent means I'm walking this way and I'm following sin. When I repent, that means I do a 180 and I turn to someone, his name is Jesus, and I begin following him instead. Too often, we call repentance a 360, right? We're following sin, we go all the way to Jesus, and then we're back in our sin. And Jesus is saying, that's not what I'm calling you to do right now. I'm calling you to turn from sin to someone, and his name is Jesus. Now, what would Jesus have to say about corona? I really believe if you were to approach Jesus right now and say, Jesus, there's people passing away. There's people being infected with the virus in Las Vegas and beyond. What would Jesus say? I believe we have a word from him. It's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 13. Watch this exchange with Jesus and people. The scripture says that there were some present at the very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So basically what happened is Pilate, who was this evil, wicked ruler of this day when Jesus was alive on earth, he had killed some different people who were innocent of any crime and mingled their blood with a sacrifice to a false pagan god. And they're saying, what's up with that, Jesus? How is that? What, what, where were you when that happened? And then, they, then, then he answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Jesus says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or, Jesus says, how about those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them? So Jesus now brings up a natural disaster. He says, there was a tower in Siloam. You guys know about the tower. And they go, oh, yeah, man, that tower fell on 18 people and killed them out of nowhere. And Jesus goes, yeah, y'all know the story. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? Jesus says, no. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. These are sobering words from Jesus. Jesus says, when crisis hits, when tragedy hits, 
when national, natural disasters hit, when things that are out of our control hit, that Jesus says that that should lead us to remember God's pattern, to release control, and to repent from sin. Jesus says, I'm not going to get into the weeds of arguing with you why or why not. He just says, why wasn't it you? Why hasn't it happened to you? So maybe this would be a good moment where Jesus would say to you, whatever sin you have in your life, whether it's private sin or public sin or sin that you haven't gotten right with God about or relational sin with somebody else, that this is a time, this is a warning, this is an awareness, this is an alarm that says this is a good time to repent. And, and I always, I, I never, I never want to leave talking about repentance without the promise that's attached to repentance. There's promises that follow repentance. Let me give you just one. One that I find in Acts chapter 3. Acts 3 verse 19 and 20 says, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and times of refreshing may come. The promise that follows repentance is the refreshing spirit of God. That when you repent from sin, God says, I'm gonna step in and refresh your life. I don't know about you, but I need to be refreshed. Now, this has been some heavy stuff this week, these past few weeks. I, need to, I feel like my bones need refreshment. My heart and mind needs refreshment. In Proverbs chapter three, it says, be not wise in your own eyes. This is not the time for our wisdom. Our wisdom is not enough, clearly. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. God says the more we turn away from sin, the more we turn to refreshment. The more we find healing, the more we find God. That when we take God serious, he takes us serious. And we find the refreshment that our soul is longing for. I don't know who you are necessarily watching this or where you are. You could be watching this right now infected with corona. There's still a good news word for you. And here it is. Turn from sin. Believe in Jesus. And refreshment will come into your life. A final word from Jesus and I'll be done. I'm going to go like this. I'm going to turn this because I'll keep going. I'm excited. But the first ever sermon Jesus ever preached, when Jesus stepped on the scene, he said, I, the first sermon I want to give is a one-sentence sermon. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. There's all types of headlines that are flooding newspapers and online websites. But we have a headline in the Bible that's called gospel. The word gospel means good news. Friend, we have good news that Jesus Christ loves you. He came 2,000 plus years ago for you. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He never sinned. He did everything that we needed to do to be in right relationship with God. And not only that, the wages of our sin that would cost us our lives, he took on his back on the cross. Jesus died for your sin, for my sin, for our past sin, for our present sin, for our future sin, that Jesus died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from that grave. 
He defeated death, hell, and Satan. He rises us up with him. Whatever sin you have going on in your life, you could repent from the day, turn from the day, be filled with faith and filled with his spirit, and you could have a new relationship with God right now. And that's my prayer and our prayer at Walk Church is that the spirit-filled response to this crisis would be Christ. The spirit-filled response would be, remember God's pattern. He knows what he's doing. Release control. He's got this. And to focus on yourself for a moment, repent from any sin, and turn to Jesus by faith. He's strong enough to grab your hand and save you and heal you and give you a fresh start. I want to pray for you right now. If, you, if, you, if you're ready to make that decision right now as Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to lead you in a prayer to do it. All you have to do right now is call upon his name. He already knows your heart. He knows your story. Call upon his name and be saved right now from your sin. There's a, there's a worse virus than corona. It's called sin. And Jesus would save you from it. After we pray, Bashan is going to lead us in a time of worship. We're going to sing to the Lord. But right now, I want us to go ahead to him in prayer. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus Christ's name that, God, there would be somebody right now who, who heard about your pattern, who's now releasing control, and who's ready to repent from sin. That the gospel message that Jesus lived was that he died for us and rose for us. He's coming back again. So right now I pray as people make a decision, if you're watching this online, pray with me right now. Just say, Jesus, save me, heal me, forgive me. I believe you're in control. You are God alone, and I need you. I release control, and I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, especially during these times. We love you. We need you. We trust you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 If you made a decision right now, let us know about it right here in the comment section. Let us know. Say, today I got saved. Today I prayed for the first time. Drop your email. We would love to follow up with you. You can send me an email at hidenatwalkchurch.com or Nina, my wife, at ninaatwalkchurch.com. We'd love to follow up with you and hear your story and help get you the next steps you need to walk out this relationship with Jesus together. Bashan's going to lead us in a song of encouragement and praise and reminder that we don't have to fear. Thank you.